With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to another episode of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Uh, today's a very special episode. We got a couple of the founding members here of StandingRoomSports.com. We have obviously myself and Scott Martin, Thayer, TJ Morton um, coming in. And, and as I kind of previewed in previous episodes, we're doing our top five MSU games uh, from our memory. This actually comes an idea from a uh, shout out to the Buckareens podcast, a couple of buddies of mine. Um, who decided to put this together for for Ohio State and Michigan. I thought I would do the same thing for MSU as well. So got a couple of my buddies in here, a couple uh, roommates from the famed 271 Milford House in East Lansing, um, and you know a couple, uh, like I said, we, we all put the blog together, standingroomsports.com, um, which is obviously what powers the Standing Room Spartans podcast. So Super excited to get into this. Uh, basically, the format, pretty simple. We'll go through a couple honorable mentions that we had. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit. I know a couple of the games that everybody has, but I have no idea what the order is. Uh, we went through some of our honorable mentions and basically you know, found a couple that we knew were not in any of our top five. So um, we have a, uh, generally an idea of a couple of the games that are in each of our top fives, but we don't know the whole list. We don't know the order. Um, so that'll be a little bit of a surprise even for us. So we'll go through some of our honorable mentions. Uh, we'll go through our top five lists. And then we have a, a little surprise for you guys at the end of the podcast as well. So um, just want to welcome in our uh, co-host today, Thayer. Scott, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty great, Kevin. The weather in Detroit is fantastic today. It's been great all weekend, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on and ready to get to it. Same here, Kev. Let's do it. All right, so let's get into it. Like I said, we'll, we'll start with a couple honorable mentions that we know aren't in the lists. We'll kind of breeze through a couple pretty quick here. Um, starting with a, a couple that I had, the 2010 Wisconsin game. This is one that's uh, pretty random. It's a deep cut for MSU football, but uh, that was a game where Wisconsin came in number 11. Michigan State was a top 25 team, but we were undefeated at the time. And uh, we came in, uh, or they came in, excuse me. It was a home game. 
Keyshawn Martin had a punt return touchdown. We got a big win. It, it was a huge Kickstarter for that uh, 11 and one regular season where we ended up losing to Alabama in a, in a capital one bowl, a game that I was at a game that will definitely not make this list as Kirk cousins got sacked at least 38 times. I, I don't remember exact number, but um, yeah, that, that Wisconsin 2010 game, um, just a, a random great memory seeing Keyshawn house, that punt returned just a game that really sticks out in, in my head for some reason, a really a catalyst to that 2011 season or 2010 season, excuse me. And then uh, the other one, 2011 Outback Bowl, 2012 technically Outback Bowl against Georgia where uh, Kirk Cousins led the comeback. We had a 16 nothing halftime deficit where we basically didn't belong in that game. It, it had shades of Alabama written all over it. We We had just <laughs> – been getting crushed all game long through Kirk Cousins threw a couple picks and then you know came back came back slowly but surely in double overtime Jarrell Worthy with the block field goal and end up getting that game to to finish off Kirk Cousins career in East Lansing so those were a couple of my honorable mentions uh TJ did you have any that weren't on anybody's list here um, I think the one that sticks out to me was the 2011 Wisconsin game where we, where we won it on the, the Hail Mary, their rocket, as Mark D'Antonio calls it. I remember I was watching that one, uh, or I, I wasn't actually watching that one. I was with some friends. I think we went out to the movies or something. I was still in high school at the time. And one of my buddies, we were listening to it on the radio in his car in the parking lot. And when he heard the call, he turned around and threw his car keys on the ground in excitement and broke the key fob. So then we couldn't like, he couldn't lock the car to go back into wherever we were going or whatever. But it was a pretty, pretty funny little few minutes there. Love it. I think, uh, I think that, you know, call me generic. I think all my uh, honorable mentions are on somebody else's list here. So got nothing to add here, but let's get into the top five. Beautiful. So yeah, just cracked open a beer, getting into this top five games in the memory. And, and man, I mean, there's been so many, like you go back through, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I, I mean, I've been a Spartan my whole life. The early years for me were pretty rough when you go through, you know, Nick Saban's time, I was a little bit too young to really understand what was happening there. And then we jumped into, you know, Bobby Williams and John L. Smith, and it was pretty rough. So you know, obviously most of these games are going to come under Mark D'Antonio, but um, we're, we're going to run through uh, all of our top five, four, three, two, one. So my number five is the one that's, that might be surprising here to folks, the 2011 Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, which turned out to be a loss. And, you know, when you go back and run through that game, it, it it was the best football game that I've ever seen in person. And I mean that sincerely, like, you know, I drove down with, with one of my good buddies, Marshall Hart and my mom. And we went to that game. It was the first big 10 championship game cousins, Kirk cousins, final year. And it was just, the whole game was fireworks left and right. When you go back again, I was in the stadium, but when you go back and rewatch it, Gus Johnson damn near exploded in that game. Oh my goodness, like left and right. And, and you had, I mean, Wisconsin, obviously, Russell Wilson, Monty Ball, James White. It was a great Wisconsin team. 
but it was just back and forth and back and forth the whole game. There was never more than a 14-point lead. Wisconsin was up 21-7 early in the game. We took that lead back. There was, you know, Russell Wilson was making plays on third down, fourth down. We had, you know, where where Keith Nickel caught the pass on the sideline, lateraled it back to B.J. Cunningham, ran a fake extra point after that touchdown. You had uh, a long 44-yard touchdown to B.J. Cunningham. You had a a double reverse you had shovel passes I mean you had basically everything that that you wanted from a from a college football game obviously we know the way it ended with the running into the punter after Keyshawn Martin took it back inside the five yard line which would have won the game for Michigan State but it it was just a game where one I that was where you knew Russell Wilson was a special quarterback and you could see the success that ended up coming in the NFL but it it was it was a loss but it was the first Big Ten championship game it it was where Mark D'Antonio kind of solidified his career and and kind of really showed that that MSU program was really here to stay and it it just really it comes down to the fact that that was the the best football game that I've ever seen in person when you take the fandom out of it it was back and forth offense defensive making plays it was awesome I mean you know did did you guys I mean obviously I know this wasn't on any of your lists probably but you know what what do you guys remember from that game thing I remember most is uh just that the heartache at the end when uh when Keyshawn ran that punt return back to the Mm -hmm. the four or five six yard line whatever it was to give us a shot to 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 take the lead out from under him right at the end and then that flag gets thrown rightfully so he he ran into the punter it was absolutely a flag but just seeing that return come back all the way down almost right into the end zone to seal it and then you just see that little yellow flag laying there and it was just Mm. your heart sinks and it was such a roller coaster of emotion in a matter of 10 12 seconds and it was was such a bummer that it turned out the way it did especially Mm. considering it was you know it's Kirk Cousins final season it was the culmination of obviously the career of arguably at that time, anyway, the greatest quarterback to have come through Michigan state. And, you know, obviously we had a good end to that season that something about that may be coming in the future here, but you know, it was the opportunity to really stamp his legacy, put us in a premier bowl game. Obviously there's speculation as to where we would have been had we won that game, but you know, it was heart wrenching. Uh, I believe it was Isaiah Lewis who got the, the penalty there at the end. And, yep. you know, I know he carries that with him. We've seen the interviews, you know, after that game. And it, it was a brutal game. But I agree, Kevin, you know, watching that game, remembering everything other than the last minute was absolutely one of the best football games I've ever seen. Yeah, you, you take that last play out of it. And, man, it was just back and forth. It was such an exciting game that I, when I was going back through and trying to find a top five, you know, I'd circled – you know, 15, 20 games that, that really stood out. And I just kept coming back to this game. I was like, man, I know we lost, but it was just such a good game. I don't know how I can leave it off this list. I, I have very vivid lasting memories from it. So um, that was my number five. We'll, we'll head over Scott here. What was your number five Michigan state game? So maybe a little controversial keeping up with the big 10 championship theme. My number five was the 2015 big 10 championship against Iowa. Um, obviously this may be higher on some people's lists. It did obviously catapult us into the college football playoff. Uh, we all know what happened after that, but 
you know, when I look at this game, it really was the peak of the program's success. Um, it, like I said, it put us in the college football playoff. Um, we knew all we had to do was get to the finish line on top, win this game, and we were going to get our shot. Um, and it was really, it was a grinded out homage to, you know, the pound, pound green pound, you know, ethos of, of the MSU program. Obviously, D'Antonio solidified that in his first few years. You have the J Javon Ringer averaging you know, 40 carries a game in his senior year. And um, it really threw it back to that. We got the win, obviously, and there were some phenomenal plays. Um, obviously, you have LJ Scott reaching over the goal line. Uh, Gus Johnson loses in mind. Um, you have the, the hit from Riley Bulla, you know, on that touchdown pass, would, would be touchdown pass. And then I, I you know, the, the, clear the defensive back. Yeah, yeah, blatant targeting. <laughs> but um, I, the, the defensive back eludes me who, who – picked it off his shoulder but just such a good you know classic big 10 football game you know the final drive 22 plays 82 yards we had five third down conversions that game we had one fourth down not that game that drive excuse me one fourth down conversion in that drive lj scott probably the pinnacle of his career 14 carries in that 22 play drive including seven straight carries in the middle of that drive so mm -hmm. you know it's not higher on my list, I think, probably because we know what happened to Alabama. It didn't really open the door to a further success. It opened the door to the opportunity. And at the end of the day, most of that game uh, wasn't great to watch from an entertainment standpoint. It was very different from, you know, the, the game Kevin brought up, the 2011 Big Ten Championship, which was riveting start to finish. This one was tense. It was brutal. But it wasn't it, – it lacked that entertainment value that, you know, obviously we watch football for. What do you guys think? Um, you, you're, you're kind of touching on why I left it out of my top five entirely here because I – the general theme that I went when I was picking these games was how I felt during the game and <laughs> how, much, how much I enjoyed watching them or being at them versus – how I felt after the game. After this game, I obviously felt amazing. We pulled out that drive. We – we're going to the college football playoff in all likelihood, and it, it was just awesome. You're right. It was tense. It had drama on that last drive. But by and large, in, throughout the first three quarters, it was a snooze fest. There, you had two missed field goals by Michael Geiger, no touchdowns whatsoever to speak of until the fourth quarter. And that, that last drive was amazing to watch. It was so much fun. I remember, I think it was a, a long third down pass to Aaron Burbridge, like third and like 14 or 15 or something. Mm -hmm and Connor Cook completes it down the sideline to him. And so on that drive, there were some amazing, awesome plays, fun to watch. But until that drive, it was really not that enjoyable for me. So that's why I was left out of my top five entirely. But just slightly, I had another game that barely edged it out. Yeah, and, and I have this coming up on my list, so, so I won't really spend any time on it now. Uh, I'll wait until it comes up. But uh, TJ, you're number five. So my number five here, the one that just barely snuck in over that game that we were just talking about is the 2014 Cotton Bowl versus Baylor. Am I right on that? 2014? Yes. Yeah. I believe um, technically 20, yeah, New Year's January 1st, 2015. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was a New Year's Day 2015. So following the 2014 season. Um, and th that season was pretty much entirely on, about offense versus the, the season prior that was predicated on the defensive prowess of Pat Narduzzi and Mark D'Antonio. This was a huge shift 
going the other direction there. And this game had pretty much everything you wanted offensively. It had passing, it had rushing, um, it had some trick plays and some special teams. And when it came down to it, everybody remembers this game because of the comeback in the fourth quarter um, where we can't, we were down 20 entering the fourth quarter and scored 21 unanswered to win 42 to 41. Um, and it was, I just remember I was on a family vacation in Florida when we were watching this one, me and my dad were hooting and hollering from the couch, pissing my mom off and making the rest of my family think we're crazy, but we're, we were enjoying it. And Connor Cook ended that game 24 for 42 for 314 yards. Jeremy Langford, probably my favorite running back in Michigan state history. Um, Le'Veon just slightly loses that battle for me. Um, but he had 27 carries for 162 yards and three touchdowns. And then the, the thing that people are obviously going to remember is Tony Lippett just absolutely destroying that Baylor kicker on the <laughs> I was hoping kick. you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, there were just there were some iconic plays in that game. And it just the, the emotional factor of it going up when we were up in the first quarter to then going down by a lot and then ultimately bringing it out or pulling it off with the uh, the 21 points in the fourth quarter there just really made it uh, jump into that top five for me. Yeah, and I was going back. I actually watched the the quick cut of that probably 30 minutes before we hit record on this. And um, it was a game that, that I left off of my top five. It was an honorable mention. But, you know, I was, I was actually at our fraternity house watching that game. And, and we basically, by mid-third quarter, you know, you're hungover on New Year's Day and, and people were basically falling asleep trying to, you know, go go do something else. Um, partake in some extracurricular activities if you know what I mean and uh, it was it was one of those where you know people are just start yelling down the halls in the middle of the fourth quarter like whoa whoa hey hey guys guys come back like we got a game and uh, man that was such an exciting game and and one thing that stood out when I when I rewatched it I don't know if you guys remember there was the dude he, he, w- he went viral before the game it was a Baylor defensive Sean end Sean Oakman who was six foot yep. nine, two hundred and eighty-seven pounds of just pure muscle, and there was the uh, the viral moment where he came out for the coin toss and just looked like an you know a Greek god compared to everybody on the team. But man, that that was an awesome game. Yeah, it, it made my honorable mentions as well. Obviously, um, it was it was a fun game. I remember, um, you know, by the end of it, building. A, a pretty high dose of resentment for their offensive coordinator. I believe, I believe it was Art Bryles' son, Art Bryles, yeah. um, looking awfully smug on the sideline. Um, and, and yeah, when, I mean, when I saw Sean Oakland come out for that coin toss, I was praying for Donovan Clark already. Um, and but you know, as, as TJ mentioned, it was it was really quite the uh, contrast with with previous and future actually NFL football teams or MSU football teams, excuse me, um, with you know the best offense that 2014 team the best offense that we've ever seen under Mark D'Antonio potentially the best offense to come through Michigan State um, you know we had a game against Eastern Michigan that year we scored 73 points I believe we averaged over 50 points per game so you know it was an interesting season it was a great way to cap it off um, yeah and like I said it wasn't an honorable mention but a, a great game for sure yeah, so so jumping into number four here, this is where uh, yeah, I again I I went through this top five and and I spent probably more time than I should have, but you just keep going back through and and I have another loss, 
I have the college football playoff game against Alabama. And of course we, we know about the game, but it, it was the, the experience. It was the, the fact that we made a playoff Michigan state and Mark D'Antonio made a college football playoff. And, and it was just such a special moment. I mean, Scott and I drove down there together in his freaking gas guzzling Jeep stopping for gas. And the most, if you guys have ever driven from East Lansing to Dallas, Texas, it is the most God awful boring drive that you could ever imagine and by the by the middle of that drive, we were betting on bowl games that were happening. We we pulled up the uh the game cast on our phone. We we tried to watch a couple of them on our phone during the drive, but it was just you crossed the Mississippi River and it was like, Whoa, look at this, Mississippi like it, crossing a river is by far the most exciting part of that drive. But it was just such a special moment, you know, the the tailgating, the I, I ended up, I didn't get a season or a uh, student section ticket for that game. Uh, I was a standing room ticket. So I was actually standing with a couple Alabama fans who bought me a beer by the third quarter. And they were like, man, I'm just, I'm sorry, you know, but, but welcome to the big boys, you know, and I was like, here we are, I, I guess. But I mean, that Bama team, uh, Scott, TJ, I got, I got a trivia question for you here. If you had to guess, hopefully you didn't look this up. If you had to guess how many NFL players were on the 2015 Alabama 2015 Alabama roster, what what number would you throw out there? So that you're asking not how many were drafted or signed that year, it's how many are right made it to the NFL at some point. Right. Okay, so four years of players. I mean, I may overestimate this because of the mystique around Alabama, but I'm going to put it at 18. Oh, I'm going way over that. Way I'm over, okay. 34. 41. Holy shit. <laughs> 41 NFL players on that roster. And, and that yeah, like like lot. we said, you know, you go through, uh, sure, a few of those were freshmen who didn't really see much playing time, but you had Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake was the backfield, the starting backfield. These are guys that, that had regular playing time. Calvin Ridley, O.J. Howard, Ryan Kelly, Cam Robinson, Jonathan Allen, Deshaun Hand, Deron Payne, A'shaun Robinson, like Rashawn Evans, Reuben Foster, Minka Fitzpatrick. We didn't belong on that field. And one of the funny things is I was kind of going back through the memory is on the drive down, it, what, 16, 17 hours, and I – by the time that we arrived in Dallas, I, I think Scott and I, we convinced ourselves that, that we had a shot. <laughs> I very much did so too. I don't know why, but yeah, you, you, you have a long time driving through the middle of nowhere and eventually you talk yourself into, well, you know, if we can get a couple turnovers and if this, had, but you know, it was just the experience and the, the fact that, that Mark D'Antonio and, and, and we made it you know, that, that we made it. And that, that was just such a cool game. That was such a cool environment. And uh, even though we got our asses kicked, it, it was, it was really a, a special weekend uh, in, in Dallas. So, I mean, you guys were both there. Like what, what do you guys remember from that trip? You know, Kevin, looking back, you know, obviously the trip was incredible, but just looking back at the game, you know, you said, obviously we didn't have a chance and I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, a game that ended at 38 to nothing, we actually, you know, really were going to, you know, 
win the game. But looking back at this game, 38 to nothing, it's tough to look at. But thinking back at the first half, the first seven drives for either team on this game were punts, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. were hanging with them for a while. They scored a touchdown near the end of the first quarter, um, another field goal midway through the second. But, you know, what, what sticks out in my mind, we're down 10 to nothing. Second quarter's winding down, and we've got the ball. We're driving. We're in Alabama territory maybe for the first time in the game. Um, definitely the furthest we've made it. And we make it all the way down to the Alabama 12-yard line. There's about just over a minute left in the first half. Again, only down by 10. And Connor Cook throws a pick. Mm-hmm. And before he threw that pick, we're driving down. We score there. It's 10 to 7. If our defense can hold 10 to 7 going into the half, that's, a, that's not even a one-possession game going into the half. So, you know, thankfully, we at least got almost a half of football to believe we had a chance to believe we were at the big kids table and we deserved to be there. Um, the defense so, held you, up. I mean, they had they the punt return touchdown was, was yep. part of their scoring. The, they, yep. they were in good field position basically the whole game because our offense could move, but our defense held up. Yeah, and, and looking back, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but if, we, if I could pick a team to put in the college football playoff, you know, the 2015 team, I think – the three of us would probably agree it was probably the weakest of the 2013, 14, 15 teams we put together. The defense was, you know, a good solid MSU defense of that era, but not the best one we've had. The offense was certainly didn't measure up at least to the 2014 team, maybe even to the 2013 team. And looking back at that season, we had one game after game after game by the skin of our teeth. I mean, field goal, obviously you had the Geiger field goal, um, we, there were a couple other games that season. We barely won. We obviously lost to Nebraska. I don't need to get into that because if my blood pressure will get way too high, but <laughs> you know, it was a great season. Um, and, and I'm glad we made it there. It was a great experience. I can't put it on my list solely because we lost, but I, I respect you putting it on there and I'm glad we got to go over it. Yeah. Kind of like, like you said, the one thing about that game that sticks out to me is that interception that Connor cooked through at the end of the first half, because even if you just hold on to the ball there and get a field goal. At least you're on the board. You have some confidence that, hey, we may not have scored a touchdown there, but at least we put some points on the board. Let's go out and do it again, do it a little bit better this time, keep holding them on defense, and we're still going to be in this thing. But instead, he throws that interception, and we just have zero shot for that to happen. So then you go into the locker room, and you just stew over it, and you just think about what you could have done better, why you weren't able to score, and then you come out in the second half with no confidence whatsoever. And I think that was just ultimately the beginning of the end. Um, So that's what sticks out to me. But you're right, Kevin, that was a really special experience for all of us. You guys driving down there, I drove back to East Lansing with you instead of riding back with my family. So that was a good time. And we had a a pretty solid crew of Michigan State fans tailgating there. We had some some people, some Chick-fil-A reps came and brought us some free sandwiches at our tailgate. Dr. Pepper gave us some free grill tools that uh, I was actually just over at my girlfriend's house the other day and they whipped those out to use on the grill. So that was pretty funny to see. Um, But all in all, it was a great time having so many Michigan State people there and riding back together and wish the result would have been better. But overall, definitely do not regret going. Wish I would have gone the year before too, but (laughs) don't regret going for that one. Yeah, and, and, you know, uh, hopefully a couple uh, listeners uh, know our, our friend Sean, but we, he was also down there with us. And, um, 
you know, the, the night before that we all drove back, like, like TJ said there, the three of us all drove back together from Dallas to East Lansing. And we went out the night before, uh, one of my friends, shout out Madeline was, uh, living in Dallas. And so she showed us, you know, some kind of local places and we had a good time and, and Sean was flying home. So, so he had nothing to worry about. He's just got to, his parents, I guess should say, have, have got to get him to the airport. He's got to sit his ass down on an airplane and, and he's good to go. And he kept bitching about like, oh, guys, like I can't be hung over tomorrow. Like, you know, there's no way. And we all slept in his tiny hotel room. And I, I don't remember the exact sleeping arrangements. I remember I was, you know, quote unquote, sleeping on basically like the little foot sofa at the end of the bed that's you know like two feet long or something and we ended up leaving at what like 6 six thirty in the morning to drive back to East Lansing and uh man that was you know it was a rough drive back for sure but it, yeah that whole time that we were down there was just a ton of fun and uh so so number four on the list let's go to TJ here number four All right. Number four for me might get me in trouble with some people, um, but it is the 2015 Michigan game trouble Ooh. with the snap. Um, kind of, kind of like I was saying with the uh, big 10 championship game with Iowa, it's all about the, the kind of game flow and more about just the re- more than about just the result for me. Um, so we ultimately ended up winning that game 27, 23 on the Jalen Watts Jackson 40-something-odd-yard blocked punt, fumble, whatever you want to call it, um, into the end zone where he then broke broke and dislocated maybe his hip. Ultimately, never really ended up playing for us again, so that's a shame. Um, but this game would have been higher based on result alone if it weren't for the kind of slow nature that plagued this game throughout. Connor Cook did not have a great game, 18 for 39 for 320-ish yards. Um, Jake Rudock. 15 for 25 for 168. So I'm honestly looking at this box score. I'm kind of surprised that there were as many points in this game as there was um, because the rushing wasn't great. The the passing wasn't great. Um, ultimately we remember this game just by what happened in that final 10 seconds there, which as it should be, it was pretty incredible, but um, the game flow throughout. Oh, there it is. On the last play of the game. <laughs> it's hard not to not to call that one along with it when you hear it, but um, the the one play that really sticks out to me, and I miss this guy so dearly because of the way he just came out of nowhere with these plays, is Trevin Pendleton with his seventy yard reception yes. to set up a touchdown a few plays later. Um, I wish he would have scored on that play itself, but I think they replayed it and ultimately decided that he didn't score on that one. So LJ Scott got the yep. touchdown a couple plays later. Um, but he really deserved that one. Was it the, the 2015 big 10 championship that he actually had a touchdown like that? Or there, there was another game, um, in that couple of years that he, he actually scored one. And I just loved watching him that this chunky 240 some pound guy running down the sideline because <laughs> they decided they didn't need to cover him. So that's the one play that really stuck out to me as like this game was fun to watch. And then obviously the, the ending, but um, other than that, throughout the game, it wasn't that exciting. 
Um, so it definitely makes this list for the result alone and the way the result happened and because it came in that college football playoff season. But by and large, throughout the game, it didn't do a whole lot for me. So that's why it's a little lower on the list than some other people might have had it. Yeah, I, uh, obviously this this game holds a special place in every MSU fan's heart. Um, I, I, I'll hold back some of my commentary on it because, as you alluded to, uh, we'll, we'll see this game again as we go along through these top five lists. But, uh, yeah, certainly – uh, one of the one of the better individual plays in MSU football history. Yeah, and, and that's one I was actually with a bunch of Michigan fans for that game, so it's it's a little bit extra special. Um, I I did pick only one Michigan game, and you know to give a little tease, this was actually not it. But man, it was uh, that moment specifically was just incredible and every Michigan State fan in in the country in the world can can basically play that whole commentary by heart right everybody knows from the beginning that that whole commentary I I actually saw somebody recently I don't know shit about computers but they made the the video of the trouble with the snap as their like desktop background which it was just awesome but obviously just a legendary play and, and somewhere um, something I want to mention, and I'll bring it up again later is has there ever been a, a, a fullback with more receiving plays than Trevon Pendleton? Like I, I have a game coming up here where he's got another 50 yard reception. Like this dude was, you know, like you said, he, I, I couldn't bring up the measurables right now, but he looks something like 5'10", 260, and he's just stumbling his way down the field, and I love it. So, yeah, great, great pick there. Um, Scott, what about your number four? So, uh, yeah, Kevin, you, you alluded to another game uh, where Pendleton had a long reception. I believe this may be it. So my, my number four, 2013 against Michigan in Spartan Stadium. So I was at this game. I think all three of us were at this game. Um, so, I mean, obviously Michigan was down in this era. Um, it was kind of the latter part of Brady Hoke's uh, experiment with, with, with Michigan. But they came in, I believe they were ranked. I think we were only like one ranking apart, one or two, you know, spots apart in the AP poll. Um, it was early in the season. That's why they actually have uh, – a a ranking at this point but you know obviously a lot of people remember this game minus 48 rushing yards uh for Michigan we had seven sacks in that game I believe four of them were in the first quarter um and I think what made this game great it was like a drizzly October Big Ten game um it was kind of ugly the whole time but what really makes it stick out in my mind is that Michigan for whatever reason made the decision to wear white all white jerseys on a rainy day on a natural field. And Devin Gardner spent more time on his back in this game than upright in the pocket. And by the end of the game, he was not wearing a white jersey. I'll just say that. Um, And being in the crowd for this game, you know, one of the great things about sports and college sports specifically is the feeling you get in the crowd with fellow fans. And this game specifically had Spartan Stadium in an absolute frenzy. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, You know, it was our sophomore year at MSU. It was probably the best football season we had 
while we were there. And this game specifically was probably the most fun I ever had in Spartan Stadium. Yeah, that one is certainly a great pick. It's hard to argue. I wish I gave it more more consideration myself, but it, it just it wasn't one that was really sticking out to me. But you're certainly absolutely correct about the emotional aspects being in the stands for that one. I think it was that they punted on fourth and 29, was it? Because <laughs> I think Gardner got sacked three times in a row or maybe like it was a, a tackle for a loss on the running back and then he got sacked twice, something along those lines. But either way, like our defense just ate them for breakfast that game. And they had, what, negative 40-something rushing yards on the day because of all the sacks. And, man, that, that was great pick, Scott. I, I really like that one. Yeah, 48 was the number that game. They had minus 48 rushing yards, and that fourth down was actually fourth and 48 because they had three straight negative plays, and then Taylor Taylor Luan threw on a personal foul um, after the play on third down. So they were punting out of their end zone, and I believe the first down line was past the 50-yard line, so. Yeah, I I have this one coming up actually as well, so so I'll kind of refrain my comments. Um, But, man, that, that was just an awesome game. Uh, the number three game, everybody got their number four, right? Yes. So number three game on my list is the 2010 Notre Dame. We know it now as the little giants game. And, uh, this was a game where, you know, this was, I was in high school at the time. My, my older brother was at MSU and he went to the same fraternity that the three of us were all in. Um, so I got to tailgate. It was a night game. So, you know, you know, the whole day tailgating, you know, and, and by the time you're finished as a student, you come to expect the debauchery that happens after a full day's tailgating before a night game. But as a high schooler, when you jump into that scene, it, it was a bit eye opening. But my my older brother, he got me a student section ticket for that game. And and obviously, Man, it was just the the ending of that game was absolutely insane. But, you know, we were down early. We were down late. It was a back and forth game when you kind of go through the whole um, game itself. But, you know, again, it, it really comes down to the fact that night game, you know, I had a few beers in high school and you think you're cool hanging out with the college kids and my older brother. And then obviously you get into Notre Dame or you get into overtime. Notre Dame goes three and out kicks a field goal, Michigan State takes the takes the ball. And and we actually when you go through first, second and third down, we we had minus four yards. And, and you kind of look at that like, oh shit. Uh you had a 46 yard field goal. Dan Conroy's lining it up, who was a, a great kicker, a clutch kicker. And and I think, you know, I could speak for everybody in the stadium at that time and saying like, all right, he's got this. We're we're moving on to second overtime. And obviously, Mark D'Antonio drops his nuts on Brian Kelly, fakes it. Aaron Bates throws it to Charlie Gant, walks into the end zone. And and I, to this day, it, it's one of those, you, you guys know, you have these memories that you are so convinced that it happened. And, and when you really think back, you're like, I, I don't know. But like, I, I know I saw it. I saw a human being in that student section fall from the upper deck into the lower bowl and it's one of those things where i i genuinely to my heart of hearts 100% believe that i saw this and it's one of the where you go back you're like no 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 it, it was just 
in that moment and you think you saw it. No, but like, I, I swear to the almighty that I saw somebody fall, whether they were jumped or whatever, but it, it was just there that the ending of that game was insane. And, and I went back and watched, uh, watched the ending of it on YouTube and looking at Brian Kelly's face after that is just so satisfying of him just staring off into the oblivion like what just happened and then he he's running up to Mark D'Antonio with that that little smile on his face of like I can't believe that he just did that like holy shit this guy's got big balls uh but yeah that's that's my number three is the the Notre Dame 2010 little Giants game yeah, that's certainly certainly a great pick there. I um, wasn't MSU sports wasn't my religion back then like it is now. I it really didn't start watching every game like making my planning my life around these games until I was actually there. Um, so that one, I I certainly was. I think I was just watching it at home with my family, so I wasn't all like, "Oh, we got to watch the game." You know, I didn't know where I was going to school yet. I. I grew up raised by my dad as a Michigan State fan, but he wasn't like, oh, you have to go to Michigan State. You know, he was mm-hmm. letting me make that choice. So I, I would watch the games when I wasn't doing other things, and I, I'm bummed that I wasn't as tuned into that game as I was some of the other ones. Uh, I was watching it here and there throughout the night, but not I wasn't sitting on the couch glued to the TV screen as much as I, as I am nowadays. So I, I saw the last play, but I wasn't invested in the whole storyline as I was um, some of the other ones on my list. Yeah, similar to you, TJ. I, uh, you know, it, it, I think developed more of a lasting memory after the fact for me. Um, obviously, we've seen a replay of this, and as, as you look through the great games of MSU, um, this one consistently comes up. Uh, but, but more after the fact, I'm not sure I saw it live or not. But, you know, it, I believe this was the game Mark D'Antonio had a heart attack after, um, which was befitting, I mean, in a, in a dark way, befitting of, you know, just how exciting that game was, but um, certainly, you know, one of the great games that will, you know, live on in, in MSU lore, maybe the best or the, the gutsiest call of Mark D'Antonio's career of one specific play. Yeah. And we'll stick with you here, Scott, number three on the list. So my number three, uh, I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up. I'm sure it's higher on your lists. Uh, the 2013 Rose bowl. So, this was obviously the cherry on top to, in my opinion, the most special season in at, at least recent MSU football history. You know, we hadn't made a Rose Bowl in 20 years. Um, and I unfortunately wasn't at the game. I couldn't make the trip out to Pasadena. But this was, you know, at the time, this was the summit of our program. This is what we were shooting for. Uh, the college football playoff was years off. We weren't really on the pedestal of shooting for that national championship game just yet. And, and you know, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, a year earlier, Mark D'Antonio, as many, you know, listeners I'm sure know, went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. He was out on the field. He recorded himself telling his team, you will be the ones. This was the bar they were measuring themselves against. And we made it to this game. Honestly, had we not won this game, I'm not sure that season would be any less special because, you know, it just speaks to the ability of this program to set a goal to, you know, everyone buy into the same goal, keep their sights on it the entire season, execute the entire season and make it there. And obviously it turned out to be a phenomenal game playing against Stanford, who plays a similar style to us, 
um, it was, it was just great. Um, there's, you know, obviously lasting memories with some of the, the touchdowns you had the Tony Lippett touchdown, you had great plays throughout. And then obviously it culminated with, you know, Kyler Ellsworth jumping over the, the pile to stop the fullback dive. You have the review and then you have Brent Musburger with the green eruption on the sidelines at the end of that game. There's just so many memories. It was such a fun game because it was a bowl game because it wasn't, you know, with the big 10 championship, you have that underlying tension because you need to win this game to get to the next step. But with the Rose bowl, it's the end of the season, you win or you lose, you're there to have fun. And obviously it was just a phenomenal game. We come out on top, but that's my number three. What do you guys think? Yeah, so we were thinking very closely on the same lines here because that is also my number three, that 2014 Rose Bowl. And you're absolutely right. Everything that we were, we were striving for, our team was working to get to was that moment, was that game in Pasadena. And I think I was there. I think I'm the only one of us three that was actually able to, to make that trip. So shout out to my parents for buying me that flight because uh, I was sure as hell was not going to be able to afford that myself as a sophomore in college. So got to shout out them. Um, but this game just, it felt like destiny because after the 2012 season, Mark D'Antonio takes a trip with his family to California and makes a video saying you guys are for the team saying you guys are going to be here next year. This is, this is what we're working towards. And it just seemed like everything that they worked for culminated in that, that one game and we came out to win it. The one play that sticks out to me is the, the student section for that game was at one of the end zones. And there was, they were, Stanford had the ball. They were taking a deep shot and they thrown it over the top. And Trey Waynes just went up and took the ball right out of the receiver's hands for an interception. Uh, it was like right in front of the student section. We all went wild. And yeah, I just, I don't have a single bad memory looking back at that game, that trip out there with my family and great great pick surprised it didn't make it higher on the list for us but maybe Kevin's got a little higher than we do no I and I actually don't it's something where if if I was there it it for sure would have been higher and and I actually had the opportunity uh TJ you mentioned like your your family helping out with the plane ticket we had a, a ticket we had plans for months to go to visit my cousins in Oregon for a snowboarding trip. And my, my parents, they, they gave us the option, me and my brother. And they said, uh, basically, okay, we can, we can keep the plans. We have the plane tickets bought. We, we were visiting my cousins. We were going snowboarding out there in Oregon, or we can change the flight. We can go to LA and we can go to the Rose bowl. And looking back, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really regret it. You know, I'm a big snowboarding guy and snowboarding out West and hanging out with my cousins. It was an awesome week, but um, it would have been awesome to be there. But, you know, we were all watching on TV. We were all crowding around. My cousins were all MSU grads as well. So we were definitely into that game. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked about the, the Mark D'Antonio going out there before the season and, and that just makes it so much more special. And when you really put it together and, you know, the game itself, like you said, my, my brother actually has a framed signed Ellsworth uh, photo and it's, it's in this awesome setting and, um, you know, hung up in the man cave there, but you know, it's, it was such a special game, man. And 
Um, you know, I, I, unfortunately, if, if we did a top six, it would have been there, but you know, it just got left off and, you know, maybe that makes me a bad fan. I don't know, but it was, uh, man, it was an awesome game. And it, like we kind of all mentioned, it was kind of the, the culmination of a lot of what had been going on the, the previous years and Mark D'Antonio basically working, working to get there. And, you know, we hadn't been there in, in what, 30 years. And, and it was such a special, it, the Rose Bowl is always, you hear Brett Musburger's voice and, and you know, it's time. And, and that was an awesome game. Um, so with, with uh, everybody's number three, going on to number two, I have one that's been brought up already, so we'll kind of go through it pretty quick here. But 2013 Michigan is my number two. Obviously, again, the, the minus 48 rushing yards. U of M came into that game six and one. They were, they were hot. You know, they had that four, triple, quadruple overtime, excuse me, lost to Penn State was the only loss on their schedule. So Michigan fans were coming in. It was Brady Hoke's third year. You know, they were thinking they're hot shit. MSU came in seven and one. Um, and and my my biggest thing that I wrote down, and I'm glad Scott mentioned it, was the white jerseys and and they don't normally wear them. And that and that was the thing where they Devin Gardner by the end of that game, it, you just looked like a like a defeated human. You know, it was like some guy that just went and got his ass kicked in a UFC fight or something. You looked at his face and he was just a a broken, broken man. And I went back and I saw like the, the box score. And, and I don't know if, if it gave really credit to what happened because the, the thing is you, you get the sack numbers, but that, that doesn't tell the whole story because they did with Devin Gardner. They did a lot of that kind of read option. They did a lot of QB keeps. And, and I just kind of tallied up the guys that I saw tackle Devin Gardner behind the line of scrimmage. So whether you want to call it a sack or, or whatever, Danico Salen got in there twice. Shalik Calhoun got in there two and a half. Ed Davis, two and a half. Taiwan Jones got in there. Max Bola got in there twice. Curtis Drummond, Marcus Rush, Isaiah Lewis. These guys all got a tackle or two behind the line of scrimmage on Devin Gardner. So whether you want to call that a, a sack or not, um, you had this was the the creation of the Travis Jackson yes chant after a, a Connor Cook sneak that got him into the end zone a Q, QB run Travis Jackson he's he's standing next to him and and you he's said in interviews after he basically was like looking around he's like I don't know what to do and he saw it in some WWE years ago and it randomly popped into his head so he started doing the yes chant. Um, Awesome, awesome game you had. Uh, and basically, you know, when you go through the moment, uh, you know, they had beat us in 2012. You know, Michigan State won four straight games against Michigan, and then they beat us in 2012. And, and Brady Hoke, his first year, obviously, they went to that Sugar Bowl, and which was bullshit in itself, and we won't talk about that. But, you know, they Michigan fans kind of came back. I'm like, okay, you know, we're back. And you guys are back to being little brother and all that shit. And just to come out after 2012 and just beat their ass left and right. I mean, they, you talk about like football coaches love that phrase, like leave no doubt. I mean, they left no doubt who was the better team. And um, man, I mean, I, I tallied up a couple too. We, we know the fourth and 48. So here were some, some eye popping fourth downs that they had in that game. They had a fourth and 25 a fourth and 35, a fourth and 48, and a fourth and 43. 
all in the same game, which was just, you go back and watch it. It, it was just so entertaining watching their offense, you know, Devin Gardner on the ground, basically every play. So, you know, again, we, we kind of talked about this, but you know, my number two game, just to, to give some added context there. Um, let's, let's go to TJ, your number two game on the list. All right. So my number two here, I'm going to be very surprised if it's um, number one or number two for either of you guys. Um, but it was the 2015 Oregon game in East Lansing. Um, I believe all three of us attended it together. That was yep. our, our string of um, senior year football games there, sneaking pints of fireball into the stadium. <laughs> um, but the just the atm- yeah, right in the boot. Um, the atmosphere around this game was just absolutely incredible. I, Kevin, I know you've said this multiple times, but we have never heard Spartan Stadium louder than it was that game. The, the weather was incredible. The uniforms we wore were great. Um, I, I believe we striped the stadium, um, one section green, the next one was white all around. So I think that was the just, first time we did that. I, you might be right on that, but it was just all around the atmosphere was incredible. And it was the first of a, a string of key victories in that 2015 season to get us to the college football playoff. Obviously, we have the, the Michigan game, trouble with the snap later, and then also the, the Michael Geiger windmill field goal against Ohio State that um, there's certainly an argument to be made that those could be on somebody's top five as well. Um, but this one was the first one to say it was our first test this year saying, okay, our, is this MSU team here to play with the big boys? Are they legitimate again? Or, are, or is it all hype after the last couple of years and they're going to flounder a little bit? Um, and as far as the game goes, the game itself, it was just full of excitement and key plays with a goal line stop of, of Oregon, a fourth, a few fourth down conversions for both MSU and Oregon on long 15, 20 yard receptions. Oregon had an 81 yard uh, punt return touchdown um, and just a lot of great plays that it really came down to the fourth quarter when Oregon had a shot and overthrew on a would be go ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter and we were able to pull it off late. So just the emotional aspect for me, it was incredible. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, that, like you said, I, I've said this many times, but that was, I, I've been to a hell of a lot of football games at Spartan Stadium. And that was, and and honestly, by far the best, like whole home game experience when you look at, the the crowd noise. We, I think again, it was the first time we striped the stadium, and the the environment around that. I don't know. There's something about those big non-conference games. Even when we go back to like Boise State, that there's just the conference games. I, I I don't know. I think there's just this added level of stress that kind of you bring into the equation. And when you get the non-conference game, it's early in the year. The weather's beautiful. You have this this opponent that you play once every 20, 30 years. And, and it was just – that was such a cool atmosphere for that game. And, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've had season tickets since basically I was a baby. And, and that was the best home game atmosphere that I can remember. And, and just an awesome, awesome game. And, and probably my favorite non-conference game, you know, not including bowl games that, that I've ever seen at Michigan State. So – you know, Scott, what were your thoughts on that? And then when you're done, go ahead with your number two as well. 
Yeah, so, I mean, as you guys said, that the buzz around that game was, as far as home games, you know, on, on obviously MSU's campus, that was the most buzz I've ever experienced on. I'd be surprised if anyone can remember one that beat it out. You know, there's there's some factors, I think, that played into that, too. I mean, obviously, the year before, you know, this was the second half of a home-and-home home against Oregon. The year before, we had traveled out to Eugene. It was a close game that got away from us a little bit at the end. Marcus Mariota obviously was at the head of that team. And, and, and in 2014, they ended up going on to win the national championship. So not only did they beat us the year before in Eugene, this was the defending national champion coming to our house week two. I mean, everyone was watching. It was obviously a top 10 matchup. I, I debated where this one, you know, fit on my list. It obviously didn't make my top five, but I think the, it would have been there had this Oregon team actually panned out. Um, they, they ended up with three losses this season and ended up not even being the, you know, um, the premier win on our schedule that year. And that's the reason, but you know, in that moment, in that game and after that game, before the whole season played out and everything that felt like, listen, we're positioning ourselves to make a run at a national title. They came to our house. We beat them. Um, as you guys mentioned, it was strike the stadium. The weather was perfect. It was a great game. Um, and it really, it felt like, obviously we had had big bowl wins previously. We had had, you know, national attention, but beating the national champion in a top five or top seven, excuse me, uh, home game, it felt like this was us announcing to the rest of the college football world that, listen, you knew about us, but you have to pay attention to us now. We are, it's early in the season, it's week two, and we're saying we're here. We're number five already. We moved up, I think, to number three in the country in the AP poll after that game. And it really put everyone on notice, combined with the buzz. I'm glad it made somebody's list because I really was hoping we were going to get a chance to talk about this game. So, um, Great call out there. Moving on to my number two. Um, I believe I know where this one's going fit to fit in on TJ's list, but the 20, uh, excuse me, trouble is a snap. TJ already went through this one. Um, as he mentioned, wasn't the greatest game of football. It, it was a close game, but it was sloppy on both sides. But as part of the rivalry, this had everything you wanted. You had Michigan coming out of the Hoke era, they had Jim Harbaugh, you know, their Lord and Savior at the helm. They had like one or two good seasons, good, not great seasons under him already. And this was the year they were announcing themselves. This was the year, obviously, I mean, every year they're back, you know, every year they're going to win a national championship, but September there was a little more buzz been. around the program. Um, and, you know, throughout the game, you had like three or four just grade A Harbaugh tantrums on the sidelines. His play sheet certainly didn't come out of that game looking like how it went in. Um, you had, I mean, I'd be remiss if we moved on without mentioning the Surrender Cobra that yep. obviously became Halloween costumes galore in East Lansing. Um, and I, I really feel like we can show the game, we can show the call, we can show the play. This game is going to be hard to explain to future generations how much it meant to Michigan State because the tide, much as MSU fans didn't want to admit it at the time, the tide in the rivalry was turning. Michigan was back on the scene for, I mean, quote-unquote for real, at least in the rivalry. And it felt like they were on the cusp of knocking us off, you know, taking Paul back. And all of a sudden, Mark D'Antonio, probably with a smirk on his face, just grabs the rug and rips it out from under them in Ann Arbor. 
I was unfortunately not in Ann Arbor for this game, but the stories I heard were gratification enough. I mean, it was everything. If you want to play into the little brother stereotype, it was everything that we could have imagined and hoped it would be. And it made it all the way up to number two, just because of how much it meant in the rivalry. And it really, it put a stamp on, it was a short era of Harbaugh versus D'Antonio. And I think that play will be the lasting image of those two facing off head to head. Yeah. And it's, it's a part of it. That's, that's really awesome is you rarely have situations for your local team, for your team that you follow that are truly like legendary national moments. And you get some of those where, Hey, you know, for example, the little giants play with Notre Dame and, and every Michigan state fan remembers that. But, you know, if you go out to California or you go down to Texas and you're like, Oh, you remember that Michigan state fake field goal in overtime. They're like, uh, yay. I, I think I remember seeing that on sports center or something. This play, if, if you were like uh, on Twitter, on, this play is on like uh, the college football Reddit, if anybody's on there. It comes up maybe once every three or four months ever since it happened in the national landscape. And it's because it's a play that we've never seen before. It's truly a play that you, when you go back, like the – kick six for Alabama, the the trouble with the snap. There's some of these plays in college football that have happened in the past few years that honestly have never happened before. We've never seen anything like this. And and so as a as a Michigan State fan, obviously it's really special. But just as a college football fan, it's something we've never seen before. So man, it you can't say enough about trouble with the snap. Yeah, I'm with you guys completely on that one. I, I don't have too much to add. Um, like we know it was my number four. Um, Scott presents a pretty good argument there in terms of how much it meant to the rivalry. Um, but like I was saying before, I, the way I selected most of mine was just how I felt during the game and not necessarily um, looking at what the result meant or how I felt about the result. So that's why I was a little bit lower on mine, um, but it's hard to, hard to argue too much against that logic. Absolutely. And so getting to number one, the number one game in our memory as a Spartan football fan. And for me, it's something that we we've talked about already is the 2015 Iowa big 10 championship game. And, you know, you, you could tell me all you want that, that it was a slug fest through the whole first, you know, basically three quarters and that there wasn't a lot of offense and, you know, in my heart, I'm a Big Ten guy. In my heart, my high school, Detroit Catholic Central, we ran the the tight T, two tight ends, two fullbacks, and a running back. In my heart, I, I'm a smash mouth defensive football guy. And and if you're a Big Ten football fan, this was Big Ten football. But you know, we, we again, we we talked about it already. You know, we had it's. The 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 thing that comes out of it, man, that 22 play, nine minutes and four seconds off the clock, we started the final drive at our own 18-yard line with nine minutes and 31 seconds to go. Nine minutes and four seconds of game time, 22 plays. You had a third and four where we hit a shovel pass to Josiah Price. 
Third and three with an LJ Scott run to convert. Third and eight, Aaron Burbridge completion. Third and one, LJ Scott converts. Third and two that we didn't get down in the red zone within the fourth and two, Connor Cook on the option. Um, with an injury, he definitely had an injured wrist, something. He, he was hurt earlier in the game. He was playing through something, um, and he takes that option. And then you had the first down from the three-yard line. L.J. Scott goes for two yards. Second down, L.J. Scott goes for about a half a yard, gets stuffed at the line. And then that third and goal, six defenders get a hand on him. I mean, basically, it was Superman going through there. He, he evades the, the, the guy with the ball. He's just basically waving his hand around with the ball like a magician, gets it over the line. On that drive, you also had three different reviews from the booth. You had a review for an out-of-bounds catch on Aaron Burbridge. You had a review on the fourth down for Connor Cook, and then you had a review for the touchdown. And I don't know what it ended up being in, in actual time, but when we were in the stadium for that one, it felt like two hours and it was probably the most stressful two hours of my life. Um, and, and it was something where we, we kind of mentioned earlier, like Mark D'Antonio's stubbornness has been the, the reason that we got to the heights that we did. And also the reason that he, he fell. But when you look at that game, man, like if that was the culmination of all of that, because he ran the ball, he like, when you go back and watch it, he ran the play clock down to like 20, you know, like two, two, four seconds on every play, two seconds, four seconds, we're snapping the ball. And he basically got it down to a point where if we don't score there, we're screwed. And, and he just believed so much in his own process. And he believed in that team and he believed in that drive that he just ran that clock down and down and down and down. And it wasn't at a point where, you know, hey, we can kick a field goal and tie it up. Like, we needed a touchdown. And, and that was the thing where you're sitting in the stands and, and you know you need a touchdown. You keep running the clock down and you're like, all right, coach, you know, let's, let's speed this up a little bit. I mean, obviously we hadn't had a lot of offense in that game. Like, you know, let's, let's move this along here just in case we get stopped and we need to run this back. Um, but, man, he, he believed in the process. He believed in that drive. And man, it, it, that moment where LJ Scott crosses the line and we knew that we were going to go to the college football playoff, that moment alone, after that drive, after that tension, after that drama was really the, the one moment that I look at as an MSU football fan beyond all others. And, and that's what gives it the number one ranking for me is that moment alone where, where LJ Scott crosses the line. We were in the student section. Everybody goes berserk, and, and it was just – we knew we were going to Dallas. And, uh, man, that you know, again, we, we've talked about it already, but my number one on the list, bringing us to the college football playoff, a, a basically a play-in game, right? If Iowa wins that game, they're going to the playoff. So it was equally important for everybody and uh, just just – I, I couldn't keep it off my number one on the list for that moment alone. And, you know, I know we, we kind of already had our thoughts on this. So, so let's go to uh, TJ here, your number one Michigan state football game. So I chose my number one um, for a similar reason as you did kind of um, 
it, it signified a big jump in the, the national stage or our image in the national stage. And that is the 2013 Big Ten Championship against Ohio State. Um, and like I said, it kind of vaulted us into national prominence because we weren't very good in 2012. And um, we were having a really good season in 2013, but people still weren't quite sure what to make of us because we lost that game to Notre Dame, whether there were or weren't some, some shaky officiating calls. Um, but people, they were like, this team seems pretty good, but we're just not really, they haven't played like a bona fide national championship contender. So we're not sure if they're like actually legit or if they've just put together a, a string of some pretty decent wins. And then we go into Indianapolis bright lights, big stage, Urban Meyer, I believe was still undefeated at Ohio State at that point in time. And we just go in and make him eat cold pizza on a golf cart under the stadium (laughs) at the end of the game. And the the reason it makes number one, as opposed to somewhere else on the list for me is because it was such an incredible game at the same time. We got off to an early lead, I believe. And then Ohio State came storming back to take it away from us. And then ultimately we were able to, to pull it out in the end with some iconic plays um, from that season and from that, that string of years, um, 2013 to 2015. And the TV calls for that game were pretty iconic as well. You got Mumphrey down the sideline, Sparty's got six, and then that last Langford touchdown where it goes, Langford still running! Touchdown, Spartans! And so we just got some great calls from that game. Gus some Johnson, great- the GOAT. I love Gus Johnson, man. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, But we just got some absolutely iconic moments from that. It's another game that I was at myself. Um, Scott, I think you were there with me, if I'm remembering correctly. And we had some huge defensive stands when it really mattered. The Danikos Allen stop of Braxton Miller um, on fourth down. Just a huge play. And overall, just a huge moment when D'Antonio got his chance to shine with the bright lights on the big stage. And he capitalized on it and sent us to Pasadena. So that's why it makes number one for me. Yeah, TJ, you uh, you beat me to it. Um, this one comes in at my number one as well. As you said, I was at the game as well. I think there's maybe a theme of, um, you know, games getting a couple a couple bumps in our standings if we're at them for obvious reasons. But, you know, I actually I, I wrote down a note here that this is my, the best called game that I've ever listened to. And I think it's ironic that we both uh, mentioned that because as you said, we were both there. We didn't watch the game live. This was such a special game for Spartans fans. Just watching the highlights or just watching the replay of this game, um, you know, we remember every call from that game because it was that special. And, you know, similar to other games we talked about, there was so much around this game that just built how special it was. I mean, we were in Indianapolis. Ohio State, I mean, at a minimum, had two-thirds of that stadium, if not three-quarters. We were way outnumbered. They were being smug throughout, you know, the weekend leading up to that game. Uh, they were essentially they were in town for a coronation. You know, they were 24 and 0 going over the last two years because they had, uh, you know, the the playoff um, suspension from the year prior. Yeah. So, you know, they had not lost the game. There was no way any Ohio State fan was expecting to be challenged or especially to lose that game. Um, and, and it really, it was the, the quintessential MSU team. We had a good offense. Connor Cook was a sophomore. We were still kind of finding ourselves in a lot of respects on offense, but that defense was so refined. It was so good. Obviously, Pat Narduzzi was still, you know, around leading that team. 
we had guys like Denikos Allen and Jeremy Langford who are really understated MSU greats um, by the time their careers finished, who stepped up and made enormous plays in that game. Um, and it was, you know, it was really obviously we we bounced up and down for a couple of years after this. We had obviously some great memories. We made a college football playoff, as we mentioned. We had the Baylor game and everything, but this was the top of the mountain that we had been climbing for years. I mean, we, you know, when D'Antonio got to town, obviously we were coming out of a really challenging era of MSU football. Um, obviously we had a couple good years with, well, okay years with Smoker and, and Stanton and everything, but D'Antonio comes to town. It's really a team that does not have an identity, a program that does, that lacks an identity. He comes to town back and forth years, the first couple of years, Kirk Cousins comes into town. We have, some really good 11 win seasons, but we still didn't really feel like we had fulfilled that potential that we had. And this game really felt like the fulfillment of all that entire process. And it had all been leading up to this game. We faced Ohio state who obviously is, you know, it's they're the who's who of the big 10. If you're going to be on the map nationally, you have to beat Ohio state. So this was, the chance we talk about getting the chance against Alabama we talk about winning the Rose Bowl but this was Ohio State was the gatekeeper to being a national contender and this was the our opportunity and nobody gave us a chance in this game I mean not just Ohio State fans a lot of MSU fans probably unadmittedly didn't give us a chance in this game and we showed up and we did exactly what D'Antonio had been preaching for the last six years and, and obviously came out on top, and, and we got the great memory with the Rose Bowl. But, again, this is, for, for obvious reasons, my number one as well. Um, Kevin, I know you weren't there, but what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a game, like you said, I, I wasn't there. And that's, again, the only reason that I, I left it off the list. And, you know, like you said, it's it, it when you're talking about your favorite memories and your favorite games, it obviously kicks it up a notch when when you were at the game and and all five of mine were were games that I was at so um man it, it's you go back and look you know Jeremy Langford up the middle you have uh Keith Mumphrey down the sideline early in that game but like you said the one thing that really sticks out to me is is like you mentioned there is that nobody gave us a chance and as a Michigan State fan my whole life and and going up against these great, great Ohio State teams year in and year out where you're just – when we got that early, was it 17 nothing lead? And then they start coming back. And when they, they put up a couple scores and then Braxton Miller had a couple long runs and, and I, I could probably speak for most Michigan State fans where you're, you're kind of sitting there like, okay – here we go. You know, we've seen this before and they rattled off like 24 straight points or something like that. And, and then that's where in my head, again, as a lifelong Spartan where you're like, okay, you know, Hey, we, we had our run. It was fun while it lasted, but you know, that's where you really saw that, that championship DNA, that D'Antonio DNA to, just just keep your composure keep that team in it and awesome 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 game so many big moments Denikos Allen on fourth down uh tackling Braxton Miller the the Jeremy Langford touchdown obviously and and 
Yeah, again, it, that was – in Ohio State, we're still at that level where every time you beat Ohio State, it's special. But beating them on neutral field where they have a chance to go to a, a national championship game and, you know, a game that nobody expected us to be in, let alone to win. So, um, again, just missed off on the list probably for the sole fact that I wasn't there. But th- that doesn't mean it wasn't a special game. So. Um, Man, a lot of great games, a lot of top, you know, and, and all of us, I think we kept that, that common theme of uh, the, the top five games that, that we all included one Michigan game. And I just wanted to, to at the end of the, the before, we, before we sign off here, just to kind of run through, uh, I know Scott and I both mentioned the 2013 game, uh, the 2015 trouble with the snap was mentioned. But I just wanted to run through really quick some of my memorable Michigan wins uh, to before we finish it off here. So 2008, we have the first win that we had against Michigan since 2001. Uh, they had won, you know, what is that, six, seven straight games. We were at Michigan. The first win at Michigan since 1990. Uh, Blair White had a 60-yard touchdown in that game off a slant pass. Javon Ringer had a 64-yard touchdown and 194 yards in that game. 2009, the next year, was the Larry Caper overtime game. I was in the stands at the you know upper deck. Michigan scored with two seconds left. I, I can't – Roy Roundtree, I think, uh, had the touchdown catch. And then in overtime, Chris L. Rucker with the interception. And Larry Caper sheds a tackle, goes 23 yards to the house giving us back-to-back wins in the rivalry. 2010 at Michigan, the the lasting memory there is an iconic, iconic photo of Edwin Baker with the hand over his face mask shushing the Michigan crowd as he's going in. I think it was like a 50, 60-yard touchdown on that play. Um, 2011 going in for our fourth straight win. We had the pro combat black and gold jerseys. Isaiah Lewis had a pick six in that game. Uh, 2013, obviously, we, we all mentioned there with the minus 48 rushing yards. 2014, in East Lansing, U of M drives the stake into the field at 50-yard line. Uh, a big mistake. Mark D'Antonio runs up the score. There was like a minute left, and instead of kneeing the ball, he decided to go in for another touchdown. Obviously, 2015, trouble at the snap. In 2017, after a rough 2016 season, the first night game in the rivalry's history is raining. Michigan came into that game number seven overall. Uh, TJ and I were watching that game in Detroit, and, and a lot of Michigan fans were there. And obviously, you know, they ended up uh, coming out on top. So of all of the rest of those Michigan games, I know we're kind of throwing them all into a bucket. But are, are there any, like, distinct memories that come out for you guys or any of those games that, you know, you consider putting onto your top five or, or any that really last in your memory? For me, 20, 2017, uh, well, first I'll start with, you know, 2010, um, you mentioned, kind of, or, excuse me, 2009, you mentioned the Chris L. Rucker interception, yeah, yeah. The, the caper run. I mean, that – going back to like similar to the 20, you know, the Wisconsin um, big 10 championship, that was just a phenomenal football game. Admittedly 
pre-2012, I was a Michigan fan. So it I comes out, one. folks. It's here. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I tried to hold off the for the big whole reveal. episode, but I could not. But I watched this one from the other side of the fence, and it was incredible. It was brutal. I'm sure both fan bases felt that multiple times in the game they either had it or they lost it. They let it slip away. It was back and forth. I, I, if I could give it a nickname, I'd call it the whiplash game because – I mean, it was a close game, but there were moments in the fourth quarter and in overtime of this game where it felt like each team was giving it the final say. They were saying, I won, this is over. And then the other team would just come right back and do the exact same thing in the opposite direction. And obviously, I mean, the caper run was phenomenal. I could watch that that run all day. But 2017, moving obviously fast-forwarding a little bit, this was another one in that Harbaugh era where it felt like that Michigan arrogance was just ratcheted up. Mm-hmm. You know, they were saying there's MSU's out of the picture. Now we're back, you know, we're getting all the recruits. We're good again. We're getting all the national attention. And, you know, D'Antonio walks in and admittedly Michigan was having in huge quarterback issues this entire season. John O'Corn, I believe played the majority, if not all of this game, he threw yep. three or four straight interceptions in the rain. God knows why. <laughs> Harbaugh kept calling pass plays, but this was, you know, obviously in in the midst of their offensive coordinator um, struggles as well. But that game, again, anytime you go into Ann Arbor when Michigan's got a quote unquote good team by their standards and you, and you bring out a win, it's special. In 2017, I mean, this, this wasn't a 2013 or a 2015 MSU team. This wasn't like that big 10 championship national title contender team. And Michigan wanted to be that type of team. And to have an MSU team that was coming off an awful 2016, they were not, you know, they had kind of lost the national attention around the program. Michigan was, you know, sucking up all that national attention we had lost. And we walk into Ann Arbor, we had no business winning the game. And then, you know, for obviously we made a, a ton of great plays. Michigan completely fell apart. It was Again, one of those games where it felt like Michigan was supposed to be taking over the rivalry, and D'Antonio just did D'Antonio things, pulled the rug out from under them again, and it was just it just feels good to get those games. Obviously, not as special as the ones we mentioned earlier, but um, it was it was really really fun to watch, and obviously probably the, the cherry on top of Brian Lewerke's, uh career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, 2017 game is one that sticks out to me as well. Probably because it, it felt like Joe Bashi's coming out party as a oh, yeah. legitimate Big Ten linebacker, the stud on defense. We hadn't really had a stud middle linebacker since Max Bulla left Riley. He was good, but he was a little reckless, would get penalties, and wasn't great in coverage. Um, and you had Greg Jones before Max Bulla. So I felt like Joe Bocci coming out in that game was like, all right, we have this stud middle linebacker again who's going to run quarterback the defense. Um, he had an interception that game, uh, made a fumble recovery. He was just all over the field making plays left and right and making a name for himself, making people really understand that they weren't going to be able to to do whatever they wanted against this defense because he was in there quarterbacking it and making sure everyone was in the right position to make the right play. So um, that's what sticks out to me about that game and definitely a good one that didn't quite make the list, but it was enjoyable to watch and enjoyable to think back about. Uh, Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I, I kind of had the idea in, in my head where, 
I could have, if I really went through all of this, I, I probably would have ended up with my top five games with at least two or three Michigan games, but I, I decided to, to keep it with one. And I just wanted to make sure we ran through that list because man, that, that dominant period where you go 2008 through 2017, we win seven of those games and, and, you know, just awesome awesome times in east lansing and you know here's to a few more let's let's see what mel tucker's got up his sleeve and and let's see if he can get a couple games that'll crack these lists coming up here in the few year and the next few years but uh you know just uh i know i know probably ran a little bit long here but i appreciate scott tj coming on again you know we started the blog together former roommates in the 271 milford house before before I actually get rid of this, speaking of that house, I don't think anybody mentioned the 2015 Ohio State game. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of bring up real quick here the toaster smash tailgate. Uh, how did none <laughs> of us come up with that on our list? Uh, I, I think it was on my honorable mention, but it just kind of fell to the, the wayside there, and we didn't really talk about it too much. But that was a – quite the day there that we had we had a little bit of backstory we had this terrible shitty awful no good toaster in our house there and Designed we decided we had god to... knows who like <laughs> and we had to crackers you couldn't even fit like a standard <laughs> slice of bread in the thing it was horrible so we needed to give this toaster the most awesome glorious death that we could give it so we we planned this toaster smash tailgate that we were just gonna we were gonna show the game at our place and party and and ultimately destroy this toaster and And there was like a foot of snow on the ground that day too we had a bonfire in the backyard (laughs) and our our other roommate ended up swinging this toaster by the cord and smashing (laughs) it on the sidewalk and i think someone else came out with a hockey stick at one point (laughs) to smash this thing and it was it was quite the day yeah, that was yeah, one, one, one where other I one. was kind of surprised we didn't talk about more. Yeah, one more before we we move on. I thought it was gonna I thought it was gonna be on somebody's list, but it didn't make one. But the Outback Bowl against Georgia, we cannot sign off without mentioning that game. Um, I mean, that was Kirk Cousins' culmination game, and there was a little luck or a lot of luck sprinkled in with a couple missed field goals. Obviously, the, the end of the game was a blocked field goal, but. Phenomenal game, phenomenal end to Kirk Cousins' career. Just wanted to make sure it got a shout-out before we uh, signed off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, awesome going through some of these memories. And, you know, like we said, hopefully Mel Tucker will bring us a few more. Uh, But uh, appreciate everybody listening. Come on back. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the Standing Room Spartans podcast and had a lot of fun in this episode. We will continue to do so. Um, We'll probably bring – TJ and Scott back on for a couple more lists here as the off season goes on. So hope you appreciated that. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure you come on back. Uh, Thank you so much, folks. Take care.